check one. That's why we check the mic before to, uh, to avoid that. Good morning, everybody. Awesome crowd this morning. This is awesome. Probably our best crowd yet, even though it's uh, just one crowd today. We'll take what we can get. Amen. So I got a word. Um, felt like God had given me a word. I knew that Pastor Appreciation Day was coming up, and I felt like God had given me a word to share and just to speak over our pastors, just to encourage them. Um, you know, not necessarily challenge them, but again, just to build them up. And after I was studying for it, I realized that this is really applying to all of us, applies to our whole service. So I was waiting for, they're removing something in the back and I'm super, that's one thing I don't know how you do. I have no idea how that he can concentrate and like keep focus while everything in the world's moving around. So if you get up to go pee, I'm probably going to call you out. So just, um, just be ready for that. So. Again, I hope you're encouraged by the end of this sermon today, and if you're not encouraged, if you're feeling a little provoked, if you're feeling like I've stepped on your toes a little bit, I will settle for that too, all right? Because again, um, that's, what we're, that's what we're here for. Uh, we are here to build you up, and again, if you're not doing anything to build, be built up in, um, if you're not stepping into what you're supposed to be stepping in, um, then, you know, again, we, we're here to spur you on. And again, that's a healthy spurring. That's a healthy provocation by the Holy Spirit, uh, again, to, to push you forward. If you're like me in any capacity, um, I don't need to be asked once. I need to be asked several times. Uh, if there's something I need to do, I need to be really nudged in that direction. And again, I ho- uh, just we need to be uh, nudged by the Holy Spirit because of uh, us being passive. That whole concept of passivity is just like, really been on me lately. I really thought that I didn't have, uh, I kind of thought my cup was empty because I kept talking to the youth about this. I kept talking to 412 and just talking about being passive, talking about, um, you know, getting in the game. I I worded it in just a number of ways, but really that's all it boiled down to be is being passive about the gospel, being passive about the calling that's on our life right now. Um, And after I'd shared it just week after week, I was like, God, I need need a new word. I need a new word. And I, I just felt like, you know, I wasn't hearing from God correctly. And I felt like, uh, you know, like, like again, my cup was just ran out and I needed to fill my cup back up. Uh, but again, the same word from God is still a word from God. Amen. And sometimes he will repeat himself to get his word across. So again, I think that's what we will be talking about today uh, to just ensure that you receive this word correctly. Because uh, I really don't want you to take it from, you know, this young buck pastor coming in and, you know, telling you what you need to be doing. I understand I've already got a healthy dose of life in my 24 years of experience, and I know that there's going to be more to come uh, as I continue in ministry, but just sharing from my heart, and I hope that you receive it uh, again in a loving, very loving way. So let's just go ahead and pray, and when we pray, just go ahead and put your hands on your hearts. Everybody do that with me. Put your hands on your hearts. Let's pray real quick. God, I thank you so much for your word. Father, right now, I pray that, uh, God, you remove me from the equation. Father, Lord, let your words be spoken today. Father, I, break, I pray that you just break down any pre-existing barriers that we have built. Father, any preconceived notions, any, any opinions, Father God, that we would just put that out of the way. God, today we would not make excuses. Today we would not make excuses, Father. Today we would hear your word, we would hear your voice, Father, and it would push us, it would motivate us, God. We know that there's calling. God, we know that there is an uh, a assignment And Father, right now, I just pray that you uh, encourage these people, Father. Remind them that you are with them, God, and they will be able to do whatever you ask of them. So Father, I pray right now that you just uh, hinder every distraction. Holy Spirit, you have liberty to move in this place. And again, God, we just thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
So I'm be talking about uh, the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is, of course, in the Old Testament, uh, really small, I think 12 chapters long. Uh, after studying Nehemiah, he is becoming one of my favorite Bible characters. Uh, he really wasn't my favorite Bible character, but after studying him, I'm realizing we have just a plethora of similarities. That's a nice word, huh? Yeah. Hey, y'all. I'm getting, I'm getting gooder with my words, all right? I'm getting much gooder. I've been hanging out with Denise. Uh, no, I do love Nehemiah, though, because, again, he's just an average do- Joe. God just has an incredible way of taking normal, everyday people and doing uh, extraordinary things through them, uses him in a dramatic way. The book of Nehemiah is actually the second part of the book of Ezra. Uh, they go hand in hand. Uh, it was actually once the same book, and then they divided it up. Ezra was just the uh, prophet during that time, uh, and then Nehemiah was like the worker of it. So we kind of get like the same story, almost two different perspectives, though, and it's really, really cool. Um, Again, so Ezra being the prophet in the same exact time, uh, to set this up, we're about 450 years before the birth of our Savior Jesus, and it's probably been about 100 years uh, since uh, King Cyrus decreed that all the uh, Jews could be set free, they could return to Jerusalem. They've been in Babylonian captivity uh, for some time now, but then under the influence of Daniel, everybody remember Daniel in the lion's den? He didn't just stay in the lion's den, he actually had a lot of influence uh, with government officials, and then he, uh, along with King Cyrus, allowed the Jews to leave and then return to their homeland. Uh, so fast forward again, about 75 years, we find Nehemiah serving under King uh, Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes, depending on which Artaxerxes this is, because there were actually two Artaxerxes. I have no idea why you would just have two of them, and then that's super, super complicated, and it really messes up with our timeline. But depending on if that was one or two, because again, they served at the exact same time, one and two. Uh, Depending on which one this is, this could be the exact same time as Queen Esther. Uh, So again, I think it's awesome that the Bible uh, just works out like that, and I love studying and finding new things like that. It makes me feel super-duper smart. You guys didn't know that already, did you? Okay, thank God. I thought you might already know that and been like, come on, Ben, we've known that for some time. Uh, Yeah, so again, uh, we are reading in Nehemiah. We're just going to start reading chapter 1, and this is chapter 1, verse 7. One, verses 1 through 7. I'm sorry. I should have typed that out because that is insanely hard to read. Praise the Lord. <laughs> did, not, did not see that one coming. The words of Nehemiah, I'm so glad I have young eyes right now. Or that would, this would be a train wreck from the get-go already. So, we already prayed. We're good to go. Oh, is this super hard to read up here? Oh. We're good. I, I planned for this to happen, so we're fine. <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in, okay, I read this, is this a different translation? Come on, praise God, I'm telling you what, this is part of the Pastor Appreciation Day, we're showing what all he has to deal with, and then how hard it actually is. Moving on, God is going to speak in a mighty way today. So, one of my brethren came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in the great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. 
So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. Let's pause right there before we go on. I understand we're living in Old Testament. I understand that Jesus Christ came along. He bled on the cross for us. He forgave every sin, past, present, future. I understand that we're living not in the old law, but uh, in the new covenant, again, under Jesus But I think it's so powerful to take note how Nehemiah is praying right now. Nehemiah is praying for repentance for him and for others, all right? Listen, whenever you start, the first place to start with is repentance, every time. When you start and you begin to work through things with God, repentance is the way to go every time. Nehemiah himself really doesn't have a lot to repent for, all right? He really has not done anything that bad. But again, you pray, God, search my heart. If there's anything that I don't see, if there's anything that I, you know, that I've become accustomed to or anything that I've just grown blind to, God, I pray that you forgive me right now. Church, I would argue that right now, all the issues we're dealing with, this social injustice, we're dealing with some of the sins of our fathers and our grandfathers. Not my father, per se, not my grandfather, per se, but somewhere along the line, not even just within the black community. I mean, with the Native Americans, I mean, there is uh, just there is a lot of social injustice going on. And again, I would argue that that is from the past sins um, of our fathers. And I think the greatest thing we could do is just begin to acknowledge that again, even if you've done if you've checked your heart. That's totally fine. But again, just pray for that repentance over all of us, over our fathers and our past sins. Verse 7, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. So Nehemiah heard the news of what has happened to his homeland. He prays and hears from God. And then again, we get our first similarity of how you and Nehemiah, that's how I'm going to tie this in, great segue to my first point, Um, how you and Nehemiah are very similar. You have already been called, all right? Nehemiah is understanding his first his first call right here, all right? The call of God that's on his life. He sees the situation, sees that it's not okay. Pastor or Casey said something a while back on a Wednesday night. Um, that's been months ago. I don't know why I say the other night. It's been several, several months ago. If you see a situation, you say, hey, I wish somebody would do something about that. Good news, it's probably you that's supposed to do something about that, all right? If you ever see a situation, say, God, you know, why are you letting this happen? What's, what's going on here, all right? God sent you. All right, he answered your prayer, and it was with you, and you see a a horrible situation, you see something wrong, and again, you have a calling to respond. It's so simple, isn't it, that we all have a calling on our life? Who's heard that? Who's heard that before? You know, God's got a crazy calling on your life. First of all, let's thank God for a calling, all right? Let's thank God that we have purpose, that he came in, he gave us value, uh, he gave us a reason, he gave meaning to our lives right here. I mean, that is amazing. But I think before we begin begin rejoicing too much, a calling is something much more than just to talk about, all right? A calling is so much more to say, hey, you've got a calling, I've got a calling, all right? Because the painful truth is that's usually about all that it amounts to be. When people say they have a calling on their life, that's usually about the end of it, all right? So many Christians say, I got this calling on my life. I mean, so many people from the youth group I grew up in, you know, 
that was words given out all the time, the calling that was on our lives. But again, people actually stepping into that calling, uh, you know, the, the, the chances are really slim. So again, the calling is much more than just something to talk about. Nehemiah recognized the calling on his life. He's seen the situation, and again, he didn't respond, um, didn't respond negatively, didn't respond with uh, wanting to send someone else. He responded with prayer he, and continuing prayer to God, and then his response was getting to work. His response was getting to work. We pick back up in his prayer in verse 11. Verse 11, I know there's a lot of reading. I'm sorry, but we're basically going to cover the entire book of Nehemiah today. So, uh, verse 11, O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Again, that is Nehemiah's position right now. He is the cupbearer. It's not a position to take lightly. It's actually a very high, very prestigious position that he's been given in. So let's recap here for a second. Nehemiah, uh, one of his friends comes in, gives him the word. He is a Jew. He is just continuing serving in Babylon. That's where he's uh, called to be at at this moment. He learns the situation of his homeland. He, lit, he hears that things aren't well. The wall is still not rebuilt, even though that's what they were assigned to do almost 75 years ago. And then he is absolutely distraught about that. He's devastated about that. Um, so he prays. And he's asking favor with the man. The man is King Artaxerxes. Uh, in the beginning of chapter 2, I'll just go ahead and recap it for you. That way it saves us some reading time. Uh, the, the conversation is played out that he's praying about. The conversation, uh, again, I'll abbreviate. He goes before the king, um, extremely upset over the news and over the calling that God has placed on him. And he, uh, he asks for permission. He asks for some time off work to the king. The king, he comes in. Uh, to do his job, the king realizes that he's extremely sad. He doesn't want him to be sad in his presence. Uh, so uh, he figures something out. The phraseology that Nehemiah is important to note, though, during this conversation, the entire time, he uses phrases like, may the king live forever if it pleases the king, your majesty, your honor. And first impression, we probably think Nehemiah's trying to butter this guy up, right? And Nehemiah wants something. I mean, this is how it works. Your kids come in bragging on you. Dad, you're so good at this. You, I mean, you run the house, right? And then they lay it on you. You know, can I have a cookie or something? <laughs> Judah can barely even talk, and he knows how to work me. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> when he can actually, like, be deceiving and stuff, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because he just says the word cookie, and I, I fold pretty bad. Um, but again, first, first impression here, we think that, you know, he's, he's buttering up. He's trying to get what he wants. He's trying to be manipulative with his speech. Uh, again, and, and, and uh, you know, maybe a little bit of just persuasion, a, a persuasive tactic. But I don't think that's what it is. I think that he just honored the king. I think that he recognized authority. Church, after repentance, you have no idea the power in recognizing authority, all right? Authority is not a very um, uh, fab thing in our culture right now, all right? Authority is not very popular. Recognize authority, all right? Not listening to authority, not obeying authority is much more popular than actually recognizing authority right now. But I think when we recognize authority, that it comes with just promotion, all right? It comes with honor. Nehemiah is about to go in. I'm going to go ahead and jump real fast in the story. Nehemiah is about to return to Jerusalem, build a wall, find favor with God. And I think that this is the roots of it. This is where it starts right here, that he's uh, recognizing authority. And I believe that God honors that so greatly. He's about to complete his assignment in record time, and the, begin the biggest reasons that his work is so blessed is because he acknowledges the authority right now. So what if, I mean, 
So what if you have a calling on your life and you just bulldoze through everyone and tick them all off in the process, all right? That's not really answering the calling on your life when you don't recognize that authority. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about people-pleasing, all right? I'm not talking about people-pleasing. I'm, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about acknowledging authority. I'm kind of going to pause the message right here and tie this in with Pastor Appreciation Day. I didn't ask for permission to do this. I might get in trouble, but I'll just ask for forgiveness later. That kind of that kind of contradicts everything I just said. So, man, I've got myself into a pickle here. Um, real talk, guys. We need to recognize the authorities of our senior pastors, all right? We need to recognize and honor them, all right? Listen, one of Pastor Kelly's greatest strengths is also his greatest weakness, and that is that he is so relatable. He is so down-to-earth. He is truthfully, you know, when he's with us, he is just one of the guys, all right? We don't have to put a mask on, and he knows he doesn't have to put a mask on, and that's absolutely incredible, but I think at the same time, some of us take advantage of that, all right? Again, please hear me out. Uh, don't get angry with me, but I am speaking some of the truth right now, all right? And we refer to him as Kelly, one of my biggest pet peeves ever. He is pastor. He is our pastor, all right? He has been sent here by God. He is God's anointed, all right? We need to recognize the authority that he's been given from the king, and we need to acknowledge that authority, and we need to honor these two great individuals more often. And again, I'm not putting them on a pedestal, all right? Pastor Kelly will be the, the first one to tell you, you put him on a pedestal, he's going to fall off, all right? So don't put him very high because he doesn't want to fall very high, all right? He is the first one to tell you that. Again, that is just his humility. That is the way that he rolls, all right? But again, we really need to recognize the authority that these two have, and we need to acknowledge that, and we need to honor that. So you can pay me later. You're welcome. Back to the story. So Nehemiah does. He finds favor with the king. The king grants him the time off. He actually even sends him with open letters uh, saying that he'll be supplied with all the supplies he needs, has all the resources that he has. So Nehemiah has arrived in Jerusalem. He takes a crew out at night. Uh, it's a really cool thing. He actually goes there, and it's, uh, um, he's there for three days, and then on the third day is when he begins his work. Something about the third day, resurrection power. I don't know why, but that's just... I feel like God just sneaks little tidbits in there like that. Um, so again, he goes out to uh, he goes out at night, takes a crew with him. And they begin to assess the situation. All right, they they walk around each and every wall, and they're taking uh, just precise notes on the damage, what's happening, what their work is going to look like here soon. And we're going to uh, jump to verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. How relevant is that to our time today? How relevant is this verse to what we are seeing today? The situation of our country, the situation of our community, the, the, the state that our nation is in right now, all right? It's not great. It's not good, all right? There needs to be work, all right? And we're not going to disguise it. Uh, we're not going to disguise laziness with faith. That happens a lot, all right? God's got this. God's going to take care of this. He's got it under control. He sent us. We are the ones that have this assignment. We're the ones that have this calling, all right? God is wanting to use us. So many times we try to mask faith with laziness, all right? And again, I'm not getting on to you, but I do hope that you are spurred right now if this applies to you. So he says, hey, guys, this, this is bad. This is not good. The wall is basically down on every side. This is going to be an absolute chore, all right? This is going to be just a lot of work. 
you know, it's not in great shape. Um, it, it's not in great shape. It, it's not looking good. Again, they understood their calling, prayed, fasted, and then responded with action. They prayed, they fasted, then they responded with action, all right? They prayed, they fasted, then they responded with action. We got to get that third part in, okay? We got to get that third part in, all right? There's more than just praying about the situation. Prayer is a great response. Prayer, pray about a strategy, but don't stay stuck in that strategy, okay? We have to have some type of action. Yeah. And this is amazing right here, verse 18. And I told them of how the hand of God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words, and he had spoken to me. They just have a good old-fashioned testimony service, all right? They have a good old testimony service. He begins to recite all the times that God was with him. Hey, we need God to move in this situation. Remember how God moved in the past? Hey, we got a lady... She is sick here. She is, she is, you know, not good, you know, maybe cancer, whatever. We begin to just tell them about Jackie Kerber, how God came in, moved in her life, and we open that door of testimony when we begin to recite the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, his power, and what he has already done, how he's restored marriages, uh, how he's brought the broken or the lost home, how he's healed uh, addicts, set free the captives, how he's done all these things. When we begin to recite the goodness of our God, when we begin to have testimonies and share what he has done, again, it leads to breakthrough. It leads to more testimonies, all right? That's how that works. Again, they understood their calling, prayed, fasted, responded with action. While assessing the, while assessing the situation, uh, though, this is where they were commissioned by God. And that's the second point. You will be commissioned. I'm not talking about, like, you know, the commissions money-wise, as in, like, you get a sweet commission. God might give you money. I don't know. It's not worked out for me yet. You will be commissioned. I believe that this is the second part of being called, all right? That was our first part. You will be called, and I think here you will be commissioned. I think they defer in a few ways because pretty much all of us have been called, all right? Pretty much all of us have been called. If we're a follower of Jesus, if we're a follower of Christ, we've been called to follow him. That's what we've been called to do as a follower of Jesus. As a Christian, we're called to be Christ-like. It's in the name. That's what we're called to do. Um, if you are a Christian, you've been called to spread the gospel. You've been called to make disciples. That is what Jesus said in his final words. And if you're a member of Watchbar Church, you've been called to serve. These are things that you don't have to pray a lot about. These are things that you don't have to fast about wondering if I should. It's not, God, should I serve? It's, God, where should I serve at? It's, God... Um, should I go and minister to these people? It's God, give me the words while I'm ministering to these people, all right? You change your prayers to, to, you know, um, to action, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And again, I think that we've all been called. We've all been called, but I think more specific, when you're commissioned by God, the mission becomes a lot more specific, all right? You're commissioned with a mission, all right? Commissioned with a mission, all right? You begin to get a specific assignment. Again, this is not an overall rule. This is not how God works. God gets to do whatever he wants, all right? That's just the, that's just the cool thing about God. He gets to do whatever, whatever he wants to, all right? And again, this is not an overall rule. First, you have to be called. Then you have to be commissioned. But I believe that there's a beautiful process right there. I believe there's a beautiful process that when we're called, he begins maturing us, all right? He begins to nurture us, grow. And as we grow and develop, then he gives us a more specific assignment, um, and a part of this is growing. You're learning who you are as a believer. You're learning who you are in Christ, and you know you're learning your spiritual gifts. Uh, I think about Pastor Amanda and myself. You know, uh, when we first got married, really when we were dating in a part of this church, 
we knew that we were a part of this church. We knew that we were called to serve. We were called uh, to do something. So we actually started out in the nursery. Uh, that lasted all of two weeks, but was not good. Turns out babies crying give me a lot of anxiety. And it, that room just has a smell to it, all right? You have no idea. Just got a lingering smell that's awful. So after that, we uh, went to WB Kids. Uh, the, youth, uh, the children's pastors were different here then. We came down to WB Kids. Uh, that went pretty well, served down there for some time, and then they actually gave us the three- to four-year-olds class. Uh, and, and then we were down there just weekly uh, ministering to them, and it was a lot of fun. I'm not going to complain about it. I, I had a great time, but I knew that's weren't where we were called. So after shortly while we were married, uh, Pastor Kelly met with us, and then he said that, you know, asking us if we thought that God was, was pushing us to any certain direction. And at that specific time, the week before, we had actually helped with the young people, helped with the youth ministry uh, on a Wednesday night. And then Amanda just immediately felt drawn to him. Truthfully, I didn't really have a heart for youth ministry yet. Truthfully, I didn't feel uh, that drawn to him. But after Pastor Kelly told us to pray about it, we knew that that's the mission that we were getting commissioned with, all right? That's what we knew that was the specific assignment, all right? We knew that we had been called, but... Obviously, if God would have called me at the age of 14 and then commissioned me with youth ministry, that's not going to go well, all right? I can't grow myself. I can't, you know, speak or nurture myself like that, all right? But we were called, and then he grows and matures, and he develops us. And then I became youth ministry at 18, which is a lot better than 14. It wasn't. Um, <laughs> it went well. God has been extremely, extremely faithful to Amanda and I. But that's the process that we don't like. That's the process we, process we want to skip. And so many of us get hung up without making it to that second part because we're not faithful where we're at, all right? I know that everyone, uh, not everyone, uh, most of us, we want to do something great for God. We want to do something big for God. And, you know, God, put me on a platform. Give me a mic. You know, I'll share your gospel. But you're not sharing it to your coworkers right now, all right? You're not sharing it where you're at. And, again, I'm not getting on to you. God just saying be faithful in the little things. And then I will continue to pour myself out and begin to honor where you are faithful at. So do not skip the process, all right? First we're called, and then we're commissioned with a mission. We're going to jump over to verses 19 and 20. But when Sanballat the Hornite, that just sounds, all right, you know he's a bad guy then, the Hornite. Uh, Tobiah the Ammonite, all the ites are bad. Everybody that's an ite in the Bible, bad, terrible. <laughs> Ammonite official and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it. They laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? Of course, every great story has to have an antagonist, all right? Every great story has to have uh, some bad guys, some people that don't want to see anything uh, happen, anything done. Nehemiah has just been commissioned. He has just begun starting uh, working, starting reconstruction on this wall, and then here are three dudes that come in and constantly blasting him, constantly calling him out, threatening him, criticizing him, and all that. And of course, um, that's where we get this. Commissions will bring conflict, all right? Again, if you have served in any capacity, you understand this. When you do anything for God, commissions will always bring conflict, all right? Commissions will always bring conflict. We'll go ahead and read verse 20. So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right uh, or memorial in Jerusalem. Commissions will always bring conflict. I had criticism right here. I had commissions will always bring criticism. You see how I used all the C's and all the words? 
I'm telling y'all, I'm getting good, all right? I'm getting good. Um, and again, I, I, I change it, though, from criticism to conflict, because, again, we can handle a little bit of criticism, but that conflict, is, it gets a lot tougher. It gets a lot more, uh, it gets a lot tougher. And, and why is that? Why is that that we are hit with conflict? Because we're actually hitting spiritual barriers. All right, when you're called, uh, you're called by God, yes, you will run in to a little bit of spiritual turbulence, but when you get commissioned with a mission, when you get a specific assignment, you terrify the devil at that point, all right? You put a target on your back. He is terrified that you're actually going to achieve that assignment, that you're actually going to step in to the true will of God and begin doing uh, what he is called, uh, what he is commissioned uh, to do. So again, I'm not, um, I'm not playing down the importance of the calling, all right? Uh, if you're answering your call, if you, and, um, if you make the decision of answering the call of God in your life, uh, that's absolutely amazing. If you're serving here, uh, that's absolutely incredible. But again, when you get commissioned with a certain thing, um, it's like this conflict, this barrier, just, it, it just begins to weigh in you, uh, weigh on you in each and every way. Um, I lost my place here. When you begin to step into the mission, um, you've been commissioned with a mission. To, uh, um, Lord Jesus, help me. Um, Again, of course, uh, of course, the devil's going to use people to knock you off your path, to try to discourage you, again, bring conflict, to intimidate you, to hurt you. Truthfully, anything that he can keep you from your assignment, that's what he's going to do. All right? Anything that he can do. Again, and, and I will argue with you, I, I would like to propose that that's good or bad. All right? That's good or bad. If he thinks that, you know, you get all these riches and wealth from whatever you're supposed to be doing and it... Uh, you know, distracts you from the true will of God. Um, that's a whole nother conversation for a later day. But again, the enemy is going to use anything he can to knock you off your specific assignment, all right? Anything he can, all right? He's, uh, his plan is to kill, steal, and destroy, all right? And that's to kill uh, whatever purpose you have in your life, to steal your destiny, all right, and destroy anything that has a hint of the will of God in your life, all right? That's exactly what he is doing every single day. But if you want to overcome the enemy, if you want to get back at him, then you got to keep working, all right? You stay on your assignment. That's how we defeat the enemy, all right? Of course, through the power of God and the word of our testimony, but that's how we defeat the enemy. That's how we overcome. That's how we get back at that. Does anybody want to get back at the devil for some of the things that he has put y'all through? I mean, for your kids' sake, for your family's sake, that's how you do it. You wake up every day and you say, God, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. God, I'm going to continue to pursue you despite all hell breaking loose around my life. God, I'm going to continue to follow you come hell or high water. God, you are, you know, what my eyes are focused on. Again, there's always going to be conflict and there will always be criticism. Let's, let's take a moment here to, to recognize true criticism, all right? Thank God it's not so much popular on social media today as it was a while back. But I used to absolutely cringe when you get, when, remember when we would see like haters are my motivation and haters are the reason like thank, thank you to all my haters, you're who made me. All right, listen, if you have people that disagree with you, that's not haters, okay? It's just people that disagree with you, all right? Haters are when people literally want to see you fail, all right? Will do anything again to keep you from succeeding, all right? Um, and I've seen that. I've seen that as, as the pastors of this church, they, they have people that criticize them. They have people that say things about them behind their backs that go and tell people and spread lies, but they also have people in their lives that do not want to see them succeed. 
They do not want to see them succeed at being pastors, at succeed, you know, in the will of God in their lives. Um, they have been hit with conflict. You have probably been hit with conflict if you're trying to do uh, the will of God in your life. If you're trying, again, uh, you're on a certain mission, you've been hit with a spiritual barrier. I encourage you this morning, do not give up. This is just a season. This season is going to end, okay? You will get through this, all right? I'm getting ahead of myself. So, again, they, uh, they're working on the wall. Uh, they, again, assess the situation. He begins to divide and conquer. He begins to call people, uh, delegate, set them on different assignments. And, of course, you have the three bad dudes just constantly coming up each and every day, antagonizing them, uh, provoking them. It actually comes to the point in Chapter 4, I believe. Uh, it's called the sword and the trial. They're actually having to build while they fight and defend themselves. Uh, that determination I mean, we could just learn so much from that, that determination, that grit to not give up, to never surrender, that, um, again, to not be knocked off our, um, not be knocked off our path. Um, uh, they had a sword in one hand and a trial in the other, and that's chapter four. They continue to fight, and they continue to go, and then finally it escalates up here to chapter six. I know my pastor is going to remember this because this is a word that he stood on this t- stage and delivered to his people, encouraging them. I think it's important for one of his people to deliver the same word and encourage him this morning, and I also want to encourage you. So I sent a message to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Sam Ballot and his crew come up, and they're antagonizing Nehemiah, and he reminds them he is doing a great work. I do not have time to argue. I do not have time to play petty games. I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing something incredible with my life. If you've chosen to amount to nothing, if you've chosen to have no purpose in your life, that's fine, but I'm not going to come down on your level, all right? I'm not going to stoop to your level to argue with you. I'm doing a great work. Church, I want to remind you, moms, we're some stay-at-home moms in here. Stay-at-home moms, where are y'all at? Y'all are doing a great work, all right? Y'all are doing a great work. Y'all are raising up warriors. I feel like this is the Holy Spirit. Y'all are raising up warriors, all right? I know that it's a constant, everyday, you know, same routine of trying to feed kids, and it's just crazy and hectic. I was at home for a few days from work, and then I was like, I'm going to go back to work so I can get a break. <laughs> this is rough, all right? Y'all are doing a great work, all right? Do not quit. Do not come down from your great work, all right? God sees you, and he will honor you. Do not stop. Pastor Kelly and Denise, do not stop, all right? Either one of y'all. You have a congregation that's counting on you. You have a community that's counting on you. We believe in you. We have your back. Do not stop your great work. I'm not going to look at you because it's kind of awkward and I might cry, but (laughs) don't stop. You're doing a great work. If uh, Pastor Bob could go ahead and come on up, or Bubba, we're going to go ahead and close this thing out. Jump down again, we're uh, chapter 6 here. I'm going to jump over to verses 15 and 16. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elu in 52 days total. They've been working on this wall for 75 years, and they finish it in 52 days. And it happened when all of our enemies heard of it, that the nations around us saw these things, and they were disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Again, you want to get back at the enemy? You want to show him, uh, you know, just what you're working with, what you have? I'm telling you, stay in your assignment. Stay in your mission. Do not quit for nothing, okay? And the beautiful thing is, is you will complete it. 
you will complete it. How discouraging are unfinished projects, right? How discouraging are those just thinking constantly, man, one, day, one of these days I'm going to have to finish that. One of these days I'm going to have to work. One of these days I'm going to fix this. One of these days, personally, I'm going to be super busy, all right? Because I've said that about a lot of things in my life, all right? But they're so discouraging, you know, you just feel like you got to constantly work. But the encouragingness, uh, the, uh, just the motivation from a finished project, from a finished project, you know, you've worked hard on something, you've just poured time, sweat into it, and then you finish that pro- project, you know, the feeling of motivation that you have, you know, that you were successful at something, all right? Again, whatever this season is, you're going to get through it and you will complete it, all right? This time, this word is not about just striving, all right? You were not called to constantly strive, all right? But we were called to work. We were called to get our hands dirty, all right? We're not going to constantly strive. This isn't a no days off message mentality, all right? No days off will lead to anxiety, will lead to, uh, you know, just unsatisfaction in your life. But we are called to work, all right? And listen, I want to tell each and every one of you, you will complete it. God is going to finish what he started, all right? God is going to finish what he started. How little of a God would it be to bring you this far to just let you see your way through the rest of it, all right? God is going to finish what he started. He is faithful, and he will, through you, complete it. I titled this message, Keep on Keeping On, because Pastor Kelly has a Joe Dirt hat. And man, it's the best. Keep on keeping on. Yo, that's words to live by right there. Keep on keeping on, all right? And Pastor Denise loves it because it's probably incorrect grammatically. But this story, it's a lot more than about progress. It's a lot more than about work. It's a lot more, truthfully, than just about restoration. It's about legacy. All right? Nehemiah, Nehemiah was good. Nehemiah had it good, all right? He was the cupbearer. He, he was okay, all right? We're, we're probably doing all right. Pastor Man and I, we're doing okay. You know, quarantine hit, coronavirus hit, like... I've seen all these memes just, uh, you know, about the burdens of staying with my family for a couple months, trapped inside the house. I love my home. I love my home. I love my land. We were good. Our community's not good, all right? Our community's not good. Our community is hurting. It's broken, all right? There's businesses hurting that are bleeding, all right? Our community is not good. So this is more about the just restoration. It's about legacy. There's a beautiful chapter, I think it's 12 or 14, it's one of the even numbers, I think, that you guys need to read in Nehemiah. And it goes through, and you think it's just one of those random chapters where it's like, this person begot this person, you know, you, you want to skip over it. But actually what Nehemiah was doing, he had recorded all the people that worked, all the people that served faithfully, that gave and contributed to building that wall. They were recognized, they were remembered, all right? They were part of something greater than themselves, all right? And again, it's more about restoration. The reason it's caused about legacy is because he knew that these walls need to be completed, not for him, but for future generations. Not for himself, but for future generations, all right? The work that you're doing right now, it's bigger than you. It's so much bigger than you. This, what we're doing at this church, if it was just about the senior pastors, then the dream would have died a long time ago, all right? It's bigger than us. It's bigger than this body, all right? It's even bigger than this community. This is about legacy, We wouldn't be here today if two people had not believed in legacy, all right? Pastor Ken and Pastor Connie were given a dream, given a vision, and that was two of the most determined people that there ever was. Determined yet loving. 
We could go on and on about them, but one thing that they knew for certain, it was bigger than them. It was about legacy, and that's why that legacy is continued and carries on to Pastor Kelly and Pastor Denise. It's more than just about restoration. It's about legacy. Church, when you're at that point, when you're ready to give up, when you're ready to call it quits, when you're just feeling like you can't keep on, you can't keep fighting anymore, remember it's not about you. And that's an amazing thing. It takes the pressure off you. It takes the pressure off me to get up on this stage and say, it's not about me. It's not about me this morning. The words that I say, I hope that you didn't hear my voice. I hope that you heard the voice of the Lord, all right? It's not about me. It is about him, and that's all it's about. Go ahead and please stand. You could just bow your